Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 369. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being, The Week in Geek brings the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out April 18th, 2018. And we followed up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's time for us to take a look back at some of the comic books that we picked up in March 2018 uh, with our monthly look back. So we're going to be talking about The Highest House, number one, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Giles, number one, Mera, Queen of Atlantis, number one, Vampironica, number one, and New Mutants, Dead Souls, number one. And we are all in separate locations. Out here in Buffalo, we had an ice storm. So we're still bringing you... The same great show, but from three different locations. Paul at his house, my at his, my, I at my house. I at my. I at my. And uh, Chris at uh, his home in Florida. Yeah, so the only one this is different for is Paul. Yeah, it is different. But it feels vastly similar since I'm back at the Studio C or D. Well, I think it's still uh, Studio C or was yeah. B. I don't remember. But yeah. Well, we, we did one at uh, Scott's house once as well. Oh, true, true. But we, yeah. we filmed on very various locations, but you know what we always do when we get together, even over the internet? Talk to Paul about buying video games and board games. Yes, and also drink. Oh, oh that's yes. true, yes. Which okay, leads yeah. to Paul buying board games. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's true. I can't resist Amazon and Steam sales when I've been drinking. And this week, I'm uh, starting off with uh, something that came out for uh, the, the holidays, as I like to call them, uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, this is Innocent Guns Kindred Spirits. It's a barrel-aged stout. It says barrel-aged, but it's actually just uh, aged on uh, barrel staves. Uh, so it's their stout uh, aged on Teller Mardu, uh Ooh. staves. So it's got a nice little... So it's a scotch, well, a stout with a little bit of the Irish whiskey on it. I feel bad because I kind of wish that I had flip-flopped the uh, order I'm drinking my beers in because I also have something that's been aged in whiskey barrels that I was going to drink second. Uh, I'll drink it first and we can compare and contrast later. This is pretty light. Like, it's not a very full-bodied stout, which isn't that surprising because sometimes, you know, you get the dry stout. And it has that nice, but it does have that nice lingering uh, Irish whiskey, you know, that kind of mossy, peaty kind of Irish whiskey on the back end. So I I enjoyed it. It goes down really quick. I was trying to save it for the show, but it's been empty for a little while now. Well, we've been talking um, for almost an yeah. hour. I mean, it's like probably about 45 minutes, so. Yeah. But even uh, then, I, I had it done. And- <laughs> And that's a beer we've had in the past and really enjoyed. This is the first time I think they've actually called out what whiskey they're using for it um, with the Teller Madu. Teller Madu's uh, made the rounds this year. Lots of beers were using it. It's it's one of my favorite Irish whiskeys. Yeah, it's a nice drinkable whiskey. Hmm. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a beer from Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And this is their Kentucky Breakfast Stout, the 2018 version, but it's barrel age, so probably 2017. Um, I've actually had this beer a couple times this year so far. Uh, They had the big release of it at the beginning of this month. 
uh, Lexi came down to visit me, and with her, she brought a bomber bottle of it. So we split that when we were watching uh, Coco the other night. Uh, sidebar, love that movie. It's so great. She was sobbing during it because it gets, it gets kind of sad. Uh, this is just a great drinkable beer. I have three more bottles of it. I want to try to sit on them and age them, but it's really dangerous to just having those readily available. Um, this year, we talked about it briefly, just kind of between ourselves, uh, I think a couple weeks ago after like you had had it too, John. Yeah, last Sunday uh, I had it. Yeah, it's not a lot of alcohol in uh, this year's version of it. Like mm-hmm. Previously, like it's been very alcohol-heavy like right up in the front. And we usually like the one that's been aged for another year after, just because it kind of levels out that um, that alcohol burn. So you get that nice kind of like roasty vanilla. Uh, this one doesn't have so much of the burn, and it just kind of makes it instantly drinkable. Like, it's been hard not just picking this up and powering through it, kind of like Paul did with his innocent gun. It was I, really I, hard not to drink it fast. Yeah. It does go down. It does have like an alcohol sharpness to it but no alcohol burn like it does it kind of that sharpness would slow you down if your mouth wasn't coated in that beer and then yeah. go oh i need another sip and then you take it, that it sip. gives you like a little bit of like the mealiness but yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm uh, i'm right with you chris for some reason i i i completely understand what you're saying <laughs> weird funny how that works weird. out uh-huh wonder why john what are you drinking <laughs> Uh, I am drinking uh, one of four beers that I traded a four-pack of KBS for. Uh, uh, A friend of mine went to Massachusetts and brought back some Trillium brewing for me. And I am starting the night with Mosaic Cutting Tiles. It's a double IPA brewed with raw wildflower honey. Um, It is uh, very nice. This double IPA is using the Mosaic hops. They do several different versions with different hops. Um, but this one's nice. You do get this really um, slightly intense honey um, now that I'm towards the bottom and I have a lot of sediment in my glass. Um, it, it's nice. It's easy drinking. Um, I drank most of it while we were talking for that 45 minutes and have been just sitting here waiting. <laughs> waiting to finish it well uh we talked about it but here we go cheers itchy 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 uh but no it's nice and that honey it's that it's a real real honey flavor to it um much like you would if you just took a shot of honey out of the the bear if you were so inclined but it's nice i like it if i took a what shot of honey out of the bear all right like, like uh, the, right bears, the bear, the honey bear, the hu- honey oh. bear. Oh, okay, the the little plastic thing. I yeah. got you. Yeah, the honey bear. I knew what you were saying. Thank you. I didn't realize that was such a weird thing for Paul. It was <laughs> weird. Uh, but something else we like, including beer and honey bears, is uh the news. Hmm. So much news this week, guys. Right. Yeah, not not especially. That's why we're kind of joking about it. We had probably about a good 20-minute discussion just about how there wasn't anything to talk about while we then talked about everything that we had seen over the past like week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, uh, the biggest news I had is, uh, guys, Fireball Island, the board game, classic 80s board game, 
is coming back through Restoration Games over at Kickstarter right now. Uh, and it looks really fun. Big plastic uh, map that you go around, board that you go around, and you know all the marble chucking that you could possibly want. So I'm excited about it. Uh, it looks really cool. Check it out. Check it out on Kickstarter if you remember the uh, '80s game at all. Then uh, it might be worth a look. I remember the co- I remember the commercials for the game. Yeah. I never knew anyone who had the game. Yeah, I don't think I ever played it. But I'm. Ex- oh, go ahead. I'm I'm excited that you bought it, Paul, so I can play it with you. Yes, I, I kickstarted it, and remember. Kickstarter is not a purchasing. It's not a marketplace. It does. There is no guarantee that this will actually come out. But I, I have faith in this company that it will actually release. I have uh, to say that because there was a Robotech uh, Kickstarter board game that is not going to ship even after it's successfully funded. So. Oh really? Mm. What happened with it? Uh, apparently they, you know, they had everything priced out. Um. Everything was going to go through. Then, uh, what happened was the like manufacturer over in China like went under the factory that they had a contract with. Just oh, that sucks. Closed up, and then they found another one, but the price was a little bit higher. And then everybody changed like UPS and FedEx changed the shipping because before it's like it doesn't matter how much it weighed as long as it was you know it. it it, you know, it doesn't. The weight of it wasn't going to really add to their shipping cost, but then they went. If uh, you know, even if it's under a certain weight, but the dimensions were too large, then the shipping cost would increase. So they got hit by increased shipping costs as well. And they're like, "We just can't afford to do it. Like, we didn't bring in enough money. We need like two hundred thousand dollars more just to meet the demand of the things that we promised to people as part of the Kickstarter, and we don't have that money." That's depressing. Uh, it happened uh, with a Kickstarter that I... Uh, there was this um, Kickstarter that I backed. It was something silly. It was like a, making classic bar sets. And it was this uh, like a shot glass... Basically a measuring cup for done in the classic style of the step glasses. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had you know, gotten guarantees <laughs> from their one factory, their one supplier, that, hey, this is going to be solid 24-karat gold or, you know... Uh, food grade silver, like, and it's going to be, you know, plated and everything's going to be fine. And this is the price. They do the Kickstarter. They send the request in to the factory saying, all right, let's do it. And then the factory says, yeah, we lied. We, we, we can't actually do the plating. And so they had to come. They came back and said, hey, is this a real big deal for everybody? Because if we are going to do the gold, the 24 karat, like gold, we can do a like non twenty four karat gold that'll look gold for the same price that you kick, you know that you pledged about, and we won't you know, and it's going to be about the same price with a different factory, or we're going to actually ask you guys for five more dollars per set. Like basically everybody that went with that brand said, yeah, we'll throw in five more bucks to get what we wanted. It's not a big deal, which is pretty awesome, and it's still coming out. But man, like. If if your backers don't say it's okay, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, kind of like the Robotech guys. But hopefully, Fireball Island won't run into those issues, and we'll actually get it. Cool. Right? Yeah. Sorry, I kickstarted for a while. 
Hey, I'm uh, I'm glad you did because I went into the other room and got my beer. I heard you pop here. I still have a little bit of KBS left, so I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna try to make it last. <clears throat> uh, news guys? What news? News. Fireball I think we, Island. Fireball Island. We had um, we had a couple new trailers come out uh, for movies that we already knew were coming out, and we've already seen the trailers. Uh, yeah, I news. honestly I haven't watched any of them yet because it uh, was Incredibles two, and then a new solo trailer. And there, right? and there has been some new footage with uh, Avengers four or uh, yeah, uh, Avengers three. Avengers three, right? Infinity Crisis. Oh, I, okay. I saw that one. Infinity War. Infinity War. Uh, I okay. I saw that one. I, then there was something else that came out from Jurassic World. I don't know if that was just like more footage in like a trailer or if it was screenshot type stuff. But I haven't seen that one yet either. I'm not that. Ex- I wasn't that excited for the original Jurassic World, and I did see it eventually on like uh, HBO Go when I had it for free, and I didn't really love that movie. It was just kind of like one of those uh, really dumb popcorn films. Yeah, I don't think I loved it either, but I did really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. I, I wouldn't yeah. say I loved it, but I, I liked it. It's it's the second best uh, Jurassic Park movie. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> okay. I, I'm still like, ah, just give me the first one. And then even then, I'm like, ah, I don't need to really watch the first one again. No, the first like, one, it's finally, it's crossed that point for me where it, I can have it on in the background and I'll watch the parts that I want to watch of it, but I don't, I don't need to see it anymore, but I still do really love that movie. Like, I would say I love that one. I like uh, Jurassic World. Uh, but The Incredibles uh, 2 looks really good. Um, you got some good stuff with um, the, the, the son with the speed. What's his name? Dash. Speed kid. Dash. Dash or Dash. 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 dash, dash, like he's he's dashing, he's dashing. runs fast. Uh, there's really good moments. Like he's he gets to the dining room table, he's about to reach for food, and his sister goes, "Do you wash your hands?" And he's and he comes back and he's reaching for the food, and she's like, "Did you use soap?" And comes back, and then he's reaching for the food. Did you dry him? And then he speed shakes him off, and then grabs his food. Uh, it was fun. It was just those little moments like that. You're like. Oh yeah, this is going to be a good movie. Well, now I have questions if he's faster than the water that's actually like flowing from the faucet cuz is it possible for him to wash his hands or is he just pretending? Oh. See, that's a that's a cl- classic uh flash conundrum, right? That's... Like can can the flash pour himself a cup of coffee in super speed? Yeah, cuz I mean you have to wait for it to pour. Right. But Maybe it's like the Flash where when he comes into contact with things, oh. it's enveloped in that speed. So, therefore. I, li- I like that root of thinking. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, it okay. makes, yeah, yeah. makes total sense. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm- Guys, I will overanalyze things like I overanalyze Kickstarter. Don't, don't, get, don't get me wrong here. I'm just excited I got nobody for, to look uh, at me weird. I'm just excited for Solo, and I'm, I haven't watched the trailer yet. Um, I was going to watch it the other night, but I kind of just put it off, and then I haven't... I don't want to say I haven't had the chance to yet, but I want to, like... I want everything to be perfect. You know, I want to light some candles. while pour myself a, like, KBS. I just want to watch <laughs> it, you know? Make, uh, make an evening of it. Yeah. Uh, but they have started showing off more of the solo merchandise, and especially down here in Florida, they're going to have, like, the part-specific stuff. And one of the magic bands that you can get, which the magic band is basically, it holds your Disney information. So if you have your 
park passes or your hotel key. Like it's all on that band, and you can use it for entry into the parks or your hotel room. They have a Lando Calrissian one now, and it's Donald Glover, and I kind of want to get it. Ooh, the the uh, you get you get a really cool Lando scene in the new trailer. Where like Han comes up and he's like, "Yes, everything you heard is true." And then there's this floating robot that fills his drink, and he's just playing like cards with these scary ass looking aliens. Uh, and then also, what you get to see is that uh, in this trailer, you see a lot of shots that you saw in the previous two trailers, except uh, now Chewie has not been digitally removed from them. Oh, cool! <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute, I saw Chewie wasn't in that before. Wait, now Chewie's walking on the beach with them? Like, Chewie's everywhere? Chewie's in my wedding photos. Chewie's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Hey, did uh, you see Donald Glover's going to host Saturday Night Live and be the musical guest? I did see oh, that. Nice. I, may, I may actually watch that episode of Saturday Night Live. It's on my birthday. Happy birthday? I, I, yeah, I, it's on May 5th. Just, I'm just letting you know when it airs. I figured you would be like, "Oh, okay, May fifth. I'll turn that." Well, I, I, I thought you were looking for like early birthday like wishes and greetings. No, we no. still have like half a month. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah, we got about a month. So you're fine. Okay, just, just I, letting I, you know. I just thought you were reaching. Donald Glover, hosting on Cinco de Mayo, and musical guest, and musical guest. Uh, I don't know how to move into the other thing that we were going to talk about, but man. Doesn't it probably suck to be Stan Lee right now? <laughs> At this point, yes. Poor guy. So he's had a really big string of bad luck recently. And we started talking about this before the show. And we decided we weren't going to talk about the news. But then once we got into it, we were like, okay, well, we need to try to piece together what's been going on with this guy. So his home was broken into. Right. He lost his dog. Correct. Someone like embezzled, like his uh, publicist. Okay, was yeah taking money, like skimming money off the top. Top sold off his blood. I don't know how the guy got his blood, but apparently he sold, the, the publicist sold his blood, and uh, which then the blood was used to to sign print, comic books. Yeah, to print his signature on comic books at like a store or a convention in like Las Vegas. Uh, he had a like nasty bout of pneumonia, which led to him canceling like a lot of convention appearances and stuff. Uh, keep your in Thor Ragnarok, so you know silver lining. Hey, there's that. Mm-hmm. He did that, uh, which that was probably filmed like a year ago, though. So yeah, that and it happened before this bad luck. And also, it seems like uh, they just go wherever Stanley is, and they yeah. just crop his head from when they took that picture or whatever and then put it on the body because you can see in the extras of the original um guardians of the galaxy that that's what they did they just put his head on another body makes sense I, it's the same way kind of like when uh, they were doing the not lord of the rings it was the hobbit ones uh christopher lee they he was like too fragile to actually fly anywhere so they basically just filmed all of his stuff as Sauron's like separately and then just like digitally splice them in. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he appeared at a convention post uh, post pneumonia and it was like being manhandled by people. Yeah, explaining how to spell his name and 
and uh, yeah. it's just just seeming really out of it. Like uh, the, some of the videos you see, like he's just got like a blanket over his shoulders. He seems very very confused on what he's there and what he's doing. Uh, it's it's pe- just sad. Yeah, it's yeah. sad. Like I think it's finally time for everyone just to kind of like take a step back and be like, okay, let's mm-hmm. let this man enjoy the time he has left. Just let him do what he wants to do with his his life. I mean, yeah, he, he we don't know how much more time he has, and they just kind of keep parading him around and putting this up. I mean, I I love the man. I enjoy seeing his cameos, but would I rather have him like comfortable and doing well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, anyone I that wants otherwise should probably just like sit down. And he did put out a video about the elder abuse allegations and said that they are false and they aren't there. I think half of that was so that he didn't have to go live with Kevin Smith who offered his home to uh Stanley. But uh I like yeah. the man. But his shorts are too big, and he smells like weed all the time. <laughs> I don't want to be hotboxed. <laughs> his friend keeps showing me his balls. <laughs> his friend's got meth mouth. It scares me. Yeah, I, I, You know, at this point, if I were to see him out at a convention, I wouldn't want to get in his line, because I just I just don't need it. He owes me nothing. Yeah. Than, you know? I feel and like... The time that we were at Toronto and he was there and we went to the panel that he had and they had opened up like the hall next to the one that it was in just so everyone could get in there. And like we watched from, you know, a room and a half away and still just like hearing him speak and seeing him up on stage. And this was like eight years ago now, probably. Yeah. yeah. For, for me, I was like, OK, you know what? I, I was in the room with him. It was a great experience. Like I I'm good. Like I don't have to like meet him and say like wow hey thanks because he knows what he's done well not only chris did we get to see him in that convention setting he did walk in front of us and as he walked in front of us he turned to the security guard behind him and said boy am i gonna sleep tonight and it was like okay yeah i can die a happy man i just stanley just said that in front of me that was the Uh, cutest thing ever i have a picture of the back of his head as security was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pushing me out of the way and it popped up recently on my uh, Facebook news feed as like hey here's stuff that's happened recently because I don't have the original picture anymore but somewhere on my Facebook hmm. I lost my gallbladder right before that trip that's all I remember and he went off his pain medicine <laughs> I did and that was way too soon but yeah I think way collectively everyone as nerds and fans of the man we just need to take a step back and finally be like okay yeah. you know what Retire, retire. Like, just... Why aren't the Disney lawyers just swooping in and just, like, putting, like, a cone of silence around that guy? Like, just, like, protecting him? I think he has his own lawyers that are, like, taking him for stuff. Yeah, taking his money. I also think, like, Disney's just like, well, when he goes, like, we can stop paying him millions for nothing. I mean, does he still? Yeah, I mean, he's still probably. He is. Yeah. He does have. He's the always. He's, he's always executive, quote unquote, producer. Which, well, but a buttload of money just comes up and gets dumped into his checking account. And then someone else is like, "Oh, hey, Stan, I'll count that for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. One, two for you. One for me. <laughs> Pretty much. But so yeah. yeah, it's 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 a sad time for Stanley. 
Just, Not as sad as the guy that plays every single drill and uh, drill instructor ever. Uh, R. Lee Emery, he just passed away, guys. Oh, just did now. he really? really? Yeah, yeah, just now. Just, just now. <laughs> like fifty-four minutes ago. Wow. Yeah, breaking news on Facebook. It just hit. Yeah, he just passed. Uh, his his long-term uh, manager came out and said, "Oh, it's sad." With deepest regret and deepest sorrow, uh, that uh, we he wants to inform us all that R. Lee Emery, the Gunny, has passed away. You know, he, he's that drill instructor. He's the drill instructor. Well, he was a real drill instructor, and then he played one in right, uh, Full, Metal Full Metal Jacket. Jacket yeah. Wasn't he Sergeant Toy Story? Uh, I think so. Yeah, uh, he was also he was in Saving Silverman and played a gay man and kissed Jack Black. Oh, I I forgot about that movie. That's he was in that too. And he was also oh, uh, he was in Chris's one of Chris's favorite movies, The Frighteners. Oh my God! Yeah, as a what? A frightener. As a frightener, <laughs> that was a drill instructor. <laughs> I almost spit my beer out. <laughs> Chris, I've been meaning to ask you because uh, March Madness is over and you just mentioned uh, Toy Story, which is a Disney franchise. How did the uh, bracket go for the Disney uh, Disney this year? Um, With their parks t-shirts. They've been limiting like what attractions they put on it because it was always Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean that won. So they've kind of left those off for the past couple of years now. And I want to say the one that actually like became champion this year was uh, the Tomorrowland People Mover. Oh, that's the one you champion quite a bit. I, I love that uh, attraction. It's great. Yeah. I think with that silence, we can all agree. That's the last of the news. <laughs> I mean, it was a stretch to fill that time. But we did it, guys. <laughs> yes. We did it. We I, did think it. We, I think we deserve a drink for that. Hey, I went last last time, so I'll go first this time. All right. And I'm drinking another Trillium beer. This is a double dry hopped version of Congress Street. Their Indian Pale Ale coming in at 7.2 for one point uh, one pint can. This was canned on 319, so it's almost a month old. And uh, this is a nice... IPA. Uh, this has got a nice multi character to it, which I think maybe because it's a m- almost a month old, um, but still a very nice drinking beer. It's super, super duper hazy, um, but drinks beautifully. And the previous beer, the Cutting Tiles, was eight point five, and that drank way too easy. And the fact that I'm halfway through this beer. Um, makes me a little scared for the next double IPA I have. Mm. That sounds delicious, though. I am missing hanging out with you right now. <laughs> welcome but to uh, my life. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, I'm going to welcome myself to your beer, which was the KBS, because that's what I'm drinking right hey, now. Hey, and you're right. That. It's so smooth. I'm yeah, already almost burnt, done with it. You don't get that dragon breath from it, like all that burn up front's mm-hmm. gone and i don't know if it's just you know the it's barrels that they and... use or with the whole now that they have their own barrel aging cellar 
maybe they're just spreading themselves th- like a little bit thinner. Maybe they're just kind of like rushing stuff out. I don't feel it's rushed. I, I feel like this is almost perfect. Uh, if you l- just let it linger, you do get a little bit of that alcohol tingle on the tongue. Um, and you just feel like, oh, yeah, there is alcohol there. But well, I mean, man, I, I as you drink it. I, I do enjoy this beer, Paul, and I don't want you to think that I was saying it's it's not what it was, but just that, that alcohol burns not on this one. And it's been in every other yeah. like inaugural year. I don't. I mean, I don't want to call it inaugural, but the first year that that current iteration has been available. like It's always just like a big alcohol bite on it. Uh, I, I'm not getting a bite, but I do get it on the linger. But that chocolate and uh, coffee on the front just masks it completely. I think I think it's just that they've balanced it so well up front now that it's masking that alcohol bite. Because I still feel I still feel it there at the end when when all the other flavor has yeah. has left me. But uh, Chris, what's your next beer? Uh, my next one, like I said. Uh, previously is a whiskey barrel aged stout and this is bell's brewing uh whiskey barrel aged cherry stout i am not a fan of their original cherry stout i had it one time and i looked it up on untapped to see what i gave it i never even checked into it i just was not a fan of it i remember it just being like that cherry cough syrup like candy sweetness like it just tasted like they had used artificial flavoring in it and it was overpowering everything else in it. Uh, so I was a little bit on the fence about this one, but I thought, you know, it could be good. And I'm glad I picked it up. I mean, it was $22 for a four-pack. But I think this is definitely a lot more drinkable than the regular cherry stout. The whiskey taste really kind of cuts through that cherry sweetness. You still get a little bit of, like, the cherry on the back end. But it's not a syrupy jaya rancher candy that i don't think should be a tasty pickup of any beer unless you're you know getting something down at the gas station it's got the cartoon character on the can i don't even know what you would have it in uh i i enjoy this though i think this is pretty good i don't know if i'd ever buy it again but i can appreciate this more than the regular version of the cherry stuff it sounds good it's it's really nice kind of Kind of like whiskey and cherry now. That's my drink. Give me Shirley Temple with some whiskey in it. <laughs> did John get up? Did John get up and I, leave? I'm back. I don't know. It, I thought so. I did. I I had to pee, and what I happened? grabbed my other beer just to be safe, for, so I didn't have to leave again. Well, where John, we did you guys ask me something and I was gone? No, so I I, we're, we're wondering what book you're looking forward oh, to. Oh, you threw it to me right away. I was hoping you wouldn't do that. No, no, because you already you always introduce this section, anyways. So no, I don't. Yeah, no, you always you always do. Uh, you introduce it. You might not start it up. up. In the lead to up to the list to yeah. the list. Yeah. Hey you, guys, do you know what I'm looking forward to? On no, what April eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Paul, is this your first time hearing him do it? Because he always has to label the date. I know. That's what I was co- trying to get him to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. I did. And then you talked through it. I That's felt what like I do, my Chris. My experience was less. John, can you do it again? Hey, guys. Do you know what I'm looking forward to coming out April 18th, 2018? No, I don't. I'm hoping a Why? comic book. 
It is a comic book, and it is Mr. Miracle, number eight of 12, Tom King, Mitch Jerds, I always want to put an L in it. Uh, but I love this book. Uh, it's been my favorite book for the last eight issues of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, issue seven, we saw the birth of Mr. Miracle and Big Barda's child. And now the two of them are back to war. And uh, I want to see where it goes. Well, I'm, uh, I downloaded all the issues of this I've missed. Uh, I look forward to catching up on those. I'm looking spoilers. For it as well. They have a baby. Well, well, they were talking about redoing their living room and making it half the size, and then making another bedroom for said baby. Mm-hmm. Next issue, straight to baby. Which, which was a good amount of talk because there was action going on during that home improvement section. Unlike a book that we'll be talking about soon. Home improvement. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty much. Chris, hey, what book are you looking forward uh, to coming I think out? I'm looking forward to one of the biggest comic books of all time. And that's not because it's the actual like heaviest or largest. I mean, it is an 80-page comic book. But this is Oof. DC Comics Action Comics 1000. Uh, Superman's been around for 80 years, uh, debuting in Action Comics. And we're getting a giant 80-page I, I want to say annual, but you know, special anniversary issue for the big guy himself. Uh, this not only is kind of like a big retrospective taking a look at Superman throughout the years with a bunch of uh, short stories. So it's it's an anthology book, kind of like we had five years ago when they were doing like the 75th for Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Uh, but we're also getting our first taste of Brian Michael Bendis in the DC Universe. Uh, he's doing a story with Jim Lee in this book. Um, in addition to them, I'm going to go through the list of everybody that's in this book. Sorry, it's going to be long because everyone's in it. Uh, because you have Brian Michael Bendis, John Cassidy, Olivier Copiel, Paul Dini, Jose Garcia Lopez, Patrick Gleason, Butch Geis, Jeff Johns, Dan Jurgens, Tom King, Jim Lee, Clay Mann, Brad Meltzer, Jerry Ordway, Tim Sale, Louise Simonson, Scott Snyder, Kurt Swan. Pete Tomasi, Marv Wolfman, and more, they say. I don't know who else they need in this because, damn, like 80 pages, you're going to be getting a lot of story out of this. Uh, I'm not a Superman fan, but I'm looking forward to you know, this book. I like Superman as a character, and I kind of want to see what Bendis does with him. I don't know if you guys have listened to his last appearance on the uh, Word Balloon podcast with John Suntress. But he talks a little bit about his switchover from Marvel to DC and how during all that was happening, he actually got hit with a MRSA infection. Oh, yeah, which I didn't know about because I, I don't pay attention to the comic book news as much as I probably should when it comes to the creators. Uh, I mean, it's a lot more like media based now with uh, video games and movies and TV and stuff like that. But yeah. Right when he was switching over from Marvel to DC, like he had, I think, two more scripts to turn in to Marvel for like Spider-Man and Iron Man, I think. Uh, he got hit with a uh, MRSA infection and almost became paralyzed. He was in the hospital. And with how MRSA is, it can kill you. It comes out of nowhere. 
like the bacteria is constantly on you and it's just at some point your body's like okay we can't fight this anymore bring it on and then it just it gets into your system and then you either die or you manage to survive it and he managed to survive it uh and now now he's on superman he must be some superman to survive that oh and also uh Sorry, I just scrolled down the listing on this. Also, uh, handling something in this book, Grant Morrison. So that'll be fun. Of course. Well, you know, you named uh, you named a name that made me my my ears, eyebrows, and Tom, eyes Tom go King. wide. No. Oh, really? Okay. Brad Meltzler. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's true. And now that I'm looking at the list too, also on there is Richard Donner, uh, Frank Quitely, Clayman, Doug Mankey. So yeah, like Nicholas Scott. There's there's some how, great. How creators. much is this book? It's seven ninety nine. Which oh, okay, eight dollars. Yeah. You know, it's a lot for book. But I've spent five dollars on regular books for Marvel and DC. This is an eighty page comic celebrating Superman and his history. So I think this is definitely worth worth the uh, purchase. Five bucks is pretty cheap for what you're getting. Eight, 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 eight dollars. Eight. Oh, eight dollars. Okay. Eight dollars, yeah. I'm, I'm say, saying I've spent five for less before. Uh, the annual, the Swamp Thing annual, I I bought was seven ninety nine, and that book sucked. Well, I'm spending four dollars on my book, which is Jughead: The Hunger, number five. That's right. It's going to be a werewolf on werewolf uh, battle here as Reggie faces off against the Jughead. Uh. I, I'm really enjoying these. I guess they're now called uh, Archie's Madhouse books. Uh, but it always seems that r- good old Reggie becomes the main villain <laughs> of each one. I think but Reggie's I he was usually old. the villain. I think he's just one of the yeah. more recognizable characters in Archie, too. And I mean, we'll talk about him in a little bit, too, whenever we talk yeah. about Vampironica. So, yeah. So, but yeah, he was, uh, like in issue three, he was introduced our. You know, it came out that he was the, the actual uh, werewolf that was killing everybody when Jughead thought it was him. Uh, but Jughead is coming back to a good old River Riverdale and uh, is going to set things right by going after Reggie. So uh, I, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, been a good book. Uh, I think you guys have been reading it, right? Or at least John or Chris. I'm not sure because I've seen somebody else reading the books. Not me. Uh, was wasn't me? Are you sure it wasn't you? Uh, it might have been Cause, me because I, I do drink a lot. That, the one that you made us read. Um, okay, I, I could have sworn that I saw that on. Uh, maybe maybe it was just me. I read through two, three, and four. So, but I thought other uh, people because it looked like I, I enjoyed what I have read. I I wouldn't be opposed to checking out more, but I'm I'm kind of more excited for one that we'll probably be talking about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we can get to that. Oh, man, I am not ready for my next beer yet. I'm going to sit, sit out my next beer. Because yeah, take it easy. I'm, I'm uh, I just easy. called in present wife to try the beer that I'm drinking. So do you want to hear about the beer I'm drinking? And future wife can uh, give a little intel on it. Mm-hmm. Hi, Caitlin. That's good. Hi, guys. Hey. 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 So uh, John's next beer is from Trillium. It's called Dialed In, and it's a double IPA, but it's brewed with Pinot um, Grigio juice. 
And it's uh, 8.5 alcohol uh, by volume as well. And it's pretty delicious. It's like a... I I got two of these cans in my trade that I made with Ryan. And he said, uh, try this dialed in. It's really unusual. I've never had a beer like that. So... I, I poured a glass and I walked uh, across the street to my dad's house and hung out with him. And while I was walking over there, I was like, whoa, this beer is crazy. And there's uh, a ton of sediment in it. Yeah, it's it. got a lot of a lot of stuff floating around in it. Um, but I was just like, I, it perked me up and I was like, man, this, this has got a really interesting grapey taste. And when I came back home, I looked at the can and then I was like, oh, of course it does. It's, it's, it's brewed with grapes. The um, they have several different versions they do of this beer with different wine grapes, um, which I at this point would do just about anything to try them because this beer is so unique, so refreshing, and has such a great taste to it that I would say, yeah, no. What do you need me to do to get another another one of these and another one with a different wine grape? Like it smells like Welch's white grape juice. Like it's just got this wow. really, it's got this such a really unique uniqueness to it. I, I'd, I'd be uh, interested in trying that. It sounds good. I saved the second can to have with Paul, but he didn't come and see me, so he can't. Have it. <laughs> there was a uh, nice he storm. T- he told me to stay home as well. <laughs> yeah, it all to, comes together. I wanted to drink it all myself. Just stay home, Paul. It's fine. Then he sent me a lovely gif of two dogs hugging each other, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we are best friends. Hey, now man. Now I see the truth. Hey, man. Now. One's a truth. dog, one's a cat. Oh. Get it straight. Oh, man. I, I guess I didn't see it because I saw something else that popped up on our feed, and it looked very dramatic. Chris wasn't going to talk about his next beer? I already talked about my beer. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not ready. I still have my, my cherry sound. I'm, oh, okay. I'm halfway through this one. Don't rush me. I'm not rushing you. You're I jumped the gun. Rush me. I jumped. I jumped the gun because Caitlin was in here trying the spear. Because she just gave me a look because I didn't shut the door tight, and she came and she like gave me a look, shut the door, and then I made her come back to try the beer. It was, mm. fun. It was fun for me. Oh, it sounds very traumatic, or should I, I say, dramatic? Dramatic. And now, a dramatic reading from Blood Brother, number one, page 13, panel three. Well, hermano, does that eye of yours? And that was a dramatic reading from Blood Brother, number one, page 13, panel three. I want to know if that eye of his... Dot, dot, dot. Uh... <laughs> I, I know nothing about this book, so this was like the freshest dramatic reading of all time. <laughs> it's a book that's been in my wish list that I bought like a week or two ago, and because uh, I was like, "Man, I want to." Oh, wait, this was this up. the one that I bought for you, or no? No, okay. no, it wasn't. Those were two new. Those were two number ones going for uh, going for uh, look back uh, for to, April. I have, to, I have to find my April books. Besides. But I I, I, I accidentally bought my books on Chris's <laughs> on Chris's thing, and uh, I sent. Well, him, I didn't know about it because a... <laughs> okay, I was going through cleaning out my email, like I forget what I was doing. I was like 
waiting at Disney Springs for someone to show up. And like I get I see an email from Comicsology like saying like, Oh, thank you for your order. And I was like, I haven't bought comics since last week. I was like, why did I just get this now? And I look at it, and it's for two comic books I didn't buy, but I did buy it because John bought them on my account. I felt really bad. They better be good. Uh, they won't be. I bought them. <laughs> uh, well, well, Immortal Men might be okay. I haven't looked at that one yet. I'm just glad it wasn't the Terrifics because I was going to pick that up for uh, this month's look back, but then like the 20-page preview we had of it and whatever comic <laughs> like, last month, I was like, oh my gosh, Like this is free and I don't want to read any more of it. The reason I got it, it was it's James Tinian writing, okay. and I was like, "All right, I, I would give it a shot for that writer," so that's why I grabbed it. But I, gotcha. I felt bad, and I sent you a ten dollar gift card to Comicsology to. Well, make I'm going to use it. that gift card to buy Night Force for you to read. Like I said, well, you can't because you said you're going to buy it on my account. Oh, that's right. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm sorry I gave you a hard time, but I thought it was funny. It came out. It came out a little aggressive. Oh, I'm sorry. I felt really bad. It, it was meant I, in the same way the that mess. I. It was meant in the same way that I just said it to you right now. Because I think everyone's done that at some point. Bought books on someone else's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we, I think we share I, accounts. That's no, no, no. Wait, never. Don't go after us, Amazon. Don't send your drones. <laughs> it's uh, drone. That was Iron Man too. <laughs> it's better. It's wrong. Can you put my, your head? He can't put his head in there. Not my parrot. <laughs> hey, we got the bird! <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best parts. I just hate that they shoehorned in all that stupid Avengers. You know, like, oh, we're doing the Avengers movie. I, I, Let's uh, make an advertisement back, for it. a great Marvel movie retrospective Iron Man 2. I still feel like that's not too shoehorned in. Uh, anyway, you know guys, we, talk about we shoehorning. Have, we have comic books to talk about, and it just occurred to me that we never discussed what order we uh, talk about everything. In. Well, uh, who can get to their comicsology first, and whose account is in whose? Uh, guess what? New Mutants, <laughs> okay. Dead Souls, so number one to six. This is a Paul book. Uh, yeah, this is uh, basically I picked it up because guess what? It's got Strong Guy in it. It's got Wolfsbane in it. It's got boom boom in it it's basically a uh kind of a mashup of x-factor and uh i guess new mutants uh richter richter's also from x-factor uh but we also have magic and uh strong guy and then some others pop up uh karma and prodigy i'm forgetting the rest prodigy thank you yep uh it's written by matt rosenberg and art by adam gorham um this basically is a X-Men team that is Oh, they are not out. an X-Men team. No, they make they make it a point to be a oh, yeah. They're not X-Men, but they're still an X-Men team. Uh that are investigating a a town that was hit by a huge storm. Uh that's and now a uh, the Hiroshima what what's the name of the Hiroshima not Hiroshima? Uh, what's the name of the? I read this so uh, such so long ago. There's a uh, company that's coming in to help uh, with damage, basically damage control after this uh, big hurricane hit. This uh, I guess Louisiana town. Damage and control. 
It's not damage control though. It's a it's a group led by uh, Karma, uh, or a company that's owned by Karma. And isn't isn't he a chameleon? No, that you're thinking of Karma Karma. Hmm. And and you you know you're thinking of that because it comes and goes. Ah. Like my interest in this book. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, it, it wasn't see, terrible. I it might came off a little. Uh, uh, I, it this I, I uh, all I have to say I like this book better than both of Chris's picks. Wow. Mm. And and this one, like okay, so these five mutants come into the city. We're not sure why they're there. Half of them don't realize why they're there. Magic is the leader of this group. And you have Wolfsbane, Richter, Boom Boom, uh, Strong Guy. And they're not sure why they're there. They're, leading, they're being led by magic. And Who what? gave herself the worst bowl cut ever. Yeah, she has a terrible haircut. I, she what? has horrible I, bangs. It looks I, like she's a six-year-old that gave her just that cut her bangs off. I think no they're reason. trying to make her look like uh, th- these guys are the hip and cool like almost I mean, teenagery she, people. She looks like Yolandi uh, from Deanford. That's that's exactly who I think yeah. they're going after for this. And because um, then they're like, "Oh, this is Richter. He's got an attitude." And then they do another caption. This is a strong guy. Blah 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 blah. This is Boom Boom. She also has an attitude. And it's like, okay, I don't need these little snap cuts to explain who these characters are. You did it on the first page. And said who their names are and everything. These characters have been around for almost thirty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, thirty which, years. Which everything you're saying kind of fits in with one of the books that I picked up too. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Mm-hmm. But it was the Hitachi uh, Corporation. Uh, I only found. Uh, it. Sorry. I. I was that was that important, Paul? Yes. He, he was looking for it. <laughs> I just. I don't know why this book needs to exist. It seems like. It's an okay team. Like, I have nothing against any of these characters. I would consider myself someone that likes most of them. But I don't know who was clamoring for the weird X-Factor New Mutants team-up book where they fight zombies and witches. It almost feels like Marvel really thought Justice League Dark would have really become a thing. And they just haven't checked in since they thought that. And they're like... Hey, did we ever make a Justice League Dark kind of book? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do that. So they came out with X-Men Dark. Eh, you're wrong, Paul. It's because New Mutants was supposed to come out, and it's a horror-esque movie. Oh, right. So they made oh, yeah, this that makes horror-esque sense. book, and then that movie gets pushed back because it's garbage, just like the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie did. And then they're like, well, we still got to put this book out. And we're making them hip-looking teens. Except Strong Guy doesn't look hip nor teen. <laughs> he actually lacks... Fun fact. Uh, strong Guy actually lacks hips. Just look at him. <laughs> he goes straight from body, torso, to legs. Yep. There uh, are no hips on that guy. There is this really <laughs> awful picture. Has everybody got the book open? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to find this page. There's, 
there's this really bad ooh, it's ooh a, extra dramatic reading okay I like oh, this okay it's it's the same page that I found uh, the Hitachi Corporation page ten panel two. Oh, page 10, page 2. Okay, just, everybody get there. When you get there, just zoom in on how awful Strong Guy looks in this picture. Yeah, it looks He's like he has arms. cross eyes, but he doesn't have <laughs> eyes. Like, he wears, like, those little, like, goggle things. Maybe we should pay them a visit. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. And, yeah, it just is, I took a, I zoomed in as close as I could, took a snapshot, and then tried to send it to you, but I deleted, like, Facebook Messenger off my tablet, so oh. I was like, I have no way to send this to them. Yeah, I, I didn't really hate this book, but it, it's just a book that I don't think needs to exist, I, but I'm not mad that it does, if that makes sense. Like, someone's the, probably going to, like love this book it might be in someone's you know wheelhouse i i much rather would have seen them as like almost like the uh the next wave x-men team where they can just be like doing like weird crazy stuff but with more Mm -hmm. of a sense of fun instead of them trying to be like too cool for weird school that's a perfect way to put it because that kind of sums me up too it's it's I wish they kind of embraced that they were doing zany stuff instead of trying to all have an attitude about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Strong Guy and Wolfsbane, uh, you know, kind of come off as like, they're the ones that are there and just trying to do a good job. And the straight men to the attitude and angst. Like, I wish everybody kind of was like, dude, what's up with magic stick up her butt? Like, and like everybody kind of like poking fun at her. Why'd she have like, to age that cat? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's up? I was like, that's she can do that now? I, I feel like that's gonna be Fair one of those yeah. things that comes back like later on in the arc where she ages someone in like her limbo dimension and like they had to plant that seed, but I was just like just reading it uh-huh. as this issue is, I was like, you don't you don't have to just like age a cat that strong guy finds. Like that just makes you seem like a bitch. I think that's what it was. It's that classic, like, uh, okay, the hero goes back into the burning building and saves the kitten, and the villain kicks the cat back into the fire. Like, it just sets you up to, like, not like that character. It's well, It feels like they were explaining, like, oh, she has powers that they don't know about. Like, at the end, when she's like, hold on a second, and then goes into limbo and then comes out and is like... It's all because that dude stole that dead body's ring. She's causing it all. And then that's, boom, the end of the book. Like, it was more interesting when the book was just like, hey, this town's zombies, and it's the new mutants fighting zombies. But then they're so self-referential that they're like, this is like The Walking Dead. Oh, I haven't seen that show. I was talking about the comic book. Is it a comic book? Like, it just, there's, I, like I said, I, this is the middle of the road. This is the book number three out of the five. This is, this is where yeah, this think, one lands for me. I think that's me. a good spot for it. And, like, the art isn't great, but the art is just good enough that you do, like, oh, it does a good job with the dead bodies. Oh, it does a good job with this. Oh, this panel looks pretty good. This panel, you know, strong man looks like a dumb baby knocking on a door. <laughs> uh... But it does have, like, a good enough thing. And, like, all of a sudden when they switch into their costumes, they're like, team, let's get together. Snap, snap, snap. Now we have yellow and blue or black outfits. Yeah, they went through the uh, Sailor Moon transformation phase. It happens. 
And it's like, oh, you have people that can create like uh, bombs in their hand to blow up zombies, and then they have somebody who can create earthquakes and mountains, you know, like mountains to come out of nowhere. And they're having trouble with a zombie horde. Like it just, eh, like it looks like John, Chris, like- and I, and producer Scott used to get together every uh, sometimes on the weeknights, and we would never have a problem with the zombie horde. We were left for dead, but we come out okay. It I just love, I miss playing that game. It just feels like they um it's like they needed to get something done right away and it wasn't fully thought through, but it's good enough that you're like, well, it's enter- it's it's there's something entertaining about it enough. It's it's middle of the road good. Um cuz I I don't like that I like it as much as I do. And then the last part where it's like the little the it's going to be the next storyline where the kids are beating up the other kid because they think he's a mutant. Like it just and like, then going out to the cabin in the woods to yeah. meet Mister Soul Eater or whatever. Yeah, Mister Alone Man. Yeah, the Alone Man. Yeah, like it's like uh, but if somebody bought it, I'd probably read too. Like it's stupid. It's, I shouldn't. It's the I Baywatch Knights of Comic Books. It takes something that. Oh, jeez. No, it takes something that there's nothing wrong with on its face, and then it adds just like creepy, weird occult stuff to it. And then you're like, why? I just. I liked Mitch and CJ, you know, running down the beach. Why do they have to fight vampires now? Like. Huh. Because now. <laughs> David Hasselhoff is getting seduced by a vampire. Much like in. Vampironica. Hey, number one. You, think, you picked up those breadcrumbs, Paul. Okay. Because that was that was the uh, series premiere was a vampire <laughs> episode of Baywatch Nights, where she had to wear gloves to hide her hairy palms because vampires in that universe had hairy palms. I remember way too much about the season, yes. series premiere of yes, Baywatch you do. Nights, and I'm the one that brought it up, and I don't even remember. <laughs> but Paul, but in, uh, Paul, much yeah. better selection with your next book. Uh, this is a really fast read. This is Vampironica, yeah. uh, number one. It's only one. like 23 pages. And this That's is... standard comic book length. I just... It just seemed... I checked it with all the other books. All the other books are longer. And, okay. <laughs> and no, some one, of them felt longer. This one flies, though. Yeah. This is from the Archie Horror line, which I thought they were all called, but apparently Jughead's under Archie Madhouse. So, I don't know what they're doing with their marketing. This is written uh, by Greg Smallwood. and Or, no, art by Greg Smallwood. Story by Greg and Meg Smallwood. Um, and this is from, like I said, the Archie line. And this is uh, what happens if uh, Veronica gets bitten by a vampire. And uh, It's basically man, she- Veronica the Vampire, comma, Slayer. Yeah, she's she she's a little bit of both. We get uh this starts off with at a party at Cheryl Blossom's house. Uh aka Cheryl Blo- uh, Cheryl uh Cherry Bomb's house and she's uh and it starts getting invaded by vampires and Veronica comes to the rescue and then we get a flashback to how Veronica became a vampire. Uh, I enjoyed this better than another Vampire Hunter I, book that we're going to be talking about soon. I really enjoyed this book, and I'm just kind of sad that I got a better like 
van uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer book than I did in the actual Buffy the Vampire Slayer book. Um, I, I think this is my favorite of the Archie horror line. Um, Agreed. It, it reads so quick, and a lot of that is just because it, it's not very heavy on like exposition or dialogue or captions. Like There's whole pages where it's just maybe like three word balloons on it. But they mm-hmm. do such a great job in the artwork conveying the story. I feel like you don't actually even have to read this because now I'm just going back through looking at the artwork. Oh, you, oh, you can totally just thumb through yeah. it and know the whole book. This one page where it's Lodge, it's Lodge Mansion later that evening and it's Veronica getting her makeup on and then getting a text and just thinking about Archie yeah. like smooching on uh, Betty and her being upset about it and you can see that she, she really likes him and there's zero word balloons and it's yeah, I, I really like the art. I think the art is, it's got a classic, like, 1970s style. Like, almost... Uh, I, I would say this is kind of more in line with what we liked on, uh, like, Daredevil and Hawkeye with uh, Francisco Francovella. Like, yeah. it's that kind of, it's not as stark as his artwork, but it's still that kind of, like, pop photo realistic. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's... I, I love this book. This is probably my favorite book from this month. Oh, this is number one. Yeah. Oh, I was actually with a bullet when this book with, ended. With, uh, with Mister Lodge's pen on his desk. <laughs> yeah. When this book ended, I was like, "What? It's over already?" And that's why I looked at the page count. Yeah. And then I, because I, I had previously read Chris's books, the New Mutants before this, and those books seemed to almost drag and take forever. And then this book was so quick, I was like. What? And I looked and I was like, oh, all those books were longer. Why is this book so short? Why isn't there more to this book? Uh, but yeah, I, the art in it is great. The story is great. Favorite Archie book so far. And I really liked Afterlife with Archie. I thought Afterlife with Archie was really good. But this one, it moves as a clip. And the story, you know, it's not bogged down by exposition. Vampire came in, bit. <laughs> A bit of uh, Veronica. Now she's a uh, vampire Veronica. And Veronica. It looks, like, it looks like he's about to bite Reggie, too. Oh, yeah. He's about to bite Reggie, and he's going to become the villain. Like, And uh, I'm very... Oh, go ahead. It starts, uh, like, Chris's both of Chris's books with... Oh, it's, it's, tell, it's showing you something. And then it's a flashback, which is one of my... It's one of the tropes in comic books I really hate now. But this one did it, and I was like, I'm totally fine with it. This is great. Yeah, I I really dug this book a lot. Like it, it's, I'm pretty sure it's my number one. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely my number one. Um, and, oh, uh, yeah. Do we want to hop over That's to our power books, ranking, Chris? everybody. Yeah, I think... Uh, can we just talk about that cover for next issue, though? Oh, where it cool. looks like a uh, vampire... Where Vampironica has Archie as her thrall. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I didn't see that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's it's at the very end of the issue. Next issue. Yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't pay attention mm-hmm. to that. Um, it, it, it's got me excited for number two. I'm very excited to, to read. No, I'm, I'm actually very excited to read number two I'm, as well. I'm so excited that I'm going to I'm gonna subscribe to it. Ooh. I just got to uh, make sure I'm under Chris's account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is an ongoing, too. So I... I I feel like I will read more of this before I read, like, 
the Jughead one. I'm totally good not reading the Jughood book. Oh, really? The Hunger. I I didn't. I, enjoy I it. thought it was good, but it didn't. Nothing about it made me want to read the sequ- the next issue. Hmm. Even Betty being like the like big slayer. Yeah. Because then you a have Archie, who's like book. a total like wimp and Nimrod in it. I don't. I don't know. I, I'll. Are you trying to tell? Should I read number? I know, don't, you don't, if you didn't like the first one, there's nothing that would really change your mind in the next two or three, so. Alright, I'm, I'm pre-ordering it. Guys, we have to wait, wait until May 16th to get the next one. Uh, I mean, hey, that's I'd, my I'd wife's like sooner, birthday. I'm okay. I know. Elliot, it's your wife's birthday. Hey, tell your worth. Happy birthday. I will. Honor John, birthday. congratulations, you just bought it. Hey! All right. No, I'm kidding. I'm on, I'm still under my account. Whose account am I going? What what books are we reading next? Uh, we well, should I, be. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I, I think this is a good time to jump over back to my side of things. Mm. Uh, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Giles number one. Oh yeah. Um, this is story by Joss Whedon and Erica Alexander, with art by John Lamb, and I feel like. The story by Joss Whedon just just kind of he's executive producing this almost because it's based off of stuff that he's done. So I'm going to say written by Eric Alexander, uh, and this is telling the tale of a young Giles. No, it's not a flashback to young Giles back before he was Buffy's Watcher in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I uh, thought this book was. No, this is the con- and I was excited about because I'm like, oh, dude, the Ripper. Yeah, this We're going to get some shit about the Ripper. This is the continuing tale uh, of Giles after his death in Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 8, uh, the comic book series from Dark Horse as well, where he's been brought back to life, but it's him as a as a young child. Well, not young. He's, he's definitely a teenager. So I feel like we're getting the preemptive Ripper in a contemporary setting. Um what I always think was really cool about Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is you had him as this stuffy, uptight, like, parental figure that you know he was just trying to do his job, and then you get to see him kind of grow over time to come to care for Buffy. And then when you start to get those glimpses into his past, you're like, oh my god, like, he was a dumb kid, but he was also a badass. Like, that, that makes for an interesting story. And there were always rumors and ideas that no, like eventually we will get a Giles series called Ripper. That's going to, you know, tell the tale of him kind of stepping into the role as watcher, which, you know, sign me up. I would still probably watch that. But basically what we wind up getting with the Giles book is just him as a shitty kid upset that he's a shitty kid knowing that he's supposed to be, something else and it doesn't make for a likable character i haven't read any of the buffy comic books in a while so the fact that they brought him back i knew that was kind of something that they were working towards in the pages of i can't remember if it was buffy or angel and faith um because angel kind of felt like remorse for leading to the death of giles exposition spoilers um Reading this made me not want to read any more of this book, though. <laughs> and this is from someone that started watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer 
when it debuted on the WB. Like, episode two or three was, like, the first episode I watched. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this show. I continued on. I watched all the episodes. I was buying all the comic books that were coming out for a while. Um, you own all the DVDs. I have all the DVDs. I have, like, I mean, I'm a Joss Whedon fan, so I, you know, I've seen all of it. But this book, I just did not care. And I can't even like blame it on the fact that, oh, well, I haven't been keeping up on the series because I shouldn't have to keep up. Like The fact that I haven't read Buffy or Angel and Faith in probably about three or four years shouldn't preclude me from enjoying this book. I know these characters. I should be able to like to pick this up and should be going home again. And it wasn't. It was basically back to the future when Marty goes home again and it's not his house. Oh no. Um, yeah. You were attacked by a guy with a baseball bat There's bars on these windows now. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't great. Um, I, I enjoyed the artwork for it. I mean, I plus side, it's very bright. It's a little bit more cartoony than I'm used to seeing in some of the Buffy books. Um, I think that kind of works to its advantage because that brought an energy to the book that I don't think was there in the actual story. Uh, but I, it just it does not make me want to read anymore. Uh, I think you, you nailed everything I'd have to say about it. Um, yeah, I actually thought this was going to be when I saw that they were making a Giles book and I said to Chris like, oh, hey, there's a Giles book coming out. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I thought it was going to be the young Giles, the Ripper. And I started reading this and I was like, whoa, this looks like a weird future. And then I keep rolling through and I'm like, this seems really odd. I don't get it. And then I went back and I read that Girl in Blue part one. You know, Rupert Giles is a watcher, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh, so I'm I'm out of my depth with this. And then I'm like, okay, well, I, hopefully this book should be able to stand up on its own. And when you're reading it, it is. There's nothing there's nothing likable about anything that's going on in this in this world that you're now a part of by reading this. You, you and take uh, I think you said the- everything else that needs to be said about it, Chris. Like if you took the title Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer can Giles. I just say- I'm so confused because, like, at the near the end of the book, it says it possessed school without teachers. And so, is everybody showing up and they're just going through the paces, but no teachers are teaching? And I don't just don't I don't know what's going on. I think really in this all, book the reason all. all the teachers were quote unquote napping is because this octopus demon whatever is controlling them and that's why they're all like napping on their desk or under their desks and then there's a battle on the slack line yeah i don't weird. i don't get that at all where it falls and it snaps but there's another one and yet there's another one it's just so weird i don't i'm sorry guys <sighs> it's okay <laughs> i i don't i don't know what happened with this book because I came into this like book being excited because of all the things that, you know, John, you said, like I had a little bit more knowledge of what this book was going to be. And I'm sorry, maybe I, I should have said that, uh, going into it, but it's just, it, this book doesn't work. If you take the Buffy, the vampire slayer Giles title off of this book and you just call it something else, 
<laughs> this book could still stand on its own because it doesn't seem to even play in that Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe enough for me to be like, okay, I like this. Besides just the references to him being a watcher and then things that Willow or Buffy have said. Like, it, there's not enough here to make it feel familiar. Yeah. And also there's they constantly, like, force that weird sexual tension between him and Rue. Oh, well, I, I think they just do that and so then, you can get that, like, whoa, it turns out she is a vampire. Oh, Bobby but he knows still wants a boner. Like, it, He's got a stick. He's got wood. It was just so forced. I don't know, man. I guess. It was poorly executed. All, yeah. all, all of it. Uh, probably my least favorite book uh, of, yeah. of this month. Uh, well, no, I, 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 it's probably my second least favorite book of the month. Because we're about to review the number one? Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I know. Which... Oh, oh, okay, well, because uh, my next book was actually from over at DC Comics, and this was Mara, Queen of Atlantis, number one, written by Dan Abnett with art by Lan Medina. And this is actually Aquaman uh, co-star Mara, her first solo title that she's ever had, which I kind of thought was weird because it seems like she's not a top tier character, but she's someone that's, you know, had enough of a presence in DC and Aquaman over the years that she seems like she should have had at least like a mini series or something before. Uh, no, apparently not. Um, and this might be why, because uh, she she works better as kind of like that supporting character that can have like that strength. Because as soon as you put her into the limelight, granted she might be semi depowered and recovering from stuff that happened in Aquaman that I don't read, so I didn't have a lot going into this. But I just it read like just a DC superhero book. That's a DC superhero book. It takes place in that bigger universe, yes, but there's nothing really coming into this, coming out of it that you need to be like, wow, like I, I have to read more. Except, I, I mean, if you're a big Ocean Master fan, like he could be back. That's the thing. This, I actually like this book probably more than I should like it because yes, I've been listening to uh, the Revolutions podcast, which is all about like civil wars that happen and this is exactly what they talk about in like each and every civil war uh where it's people that have claim to a throne being like not being inside the fight directly and just biding their time and just waiting to amass an army and then come back in full strength and be like yep i'm here and now you have to deal with me and that's what mira's doing She's just trying to keep the peace, let the fight go out, let them, like, get each other punch drunk. She's going to lick her wounds, get healthy again, and come back and just basically take the throne. And I think that's an interesting concept. I wish that uh, when she meets with Wonder Woman, Diana, who was, you know, for many years a diplomat, you know, to the United Nations, the United States, from Themyscira, would give her some pointers. It's... Uh, the political intrigue, I think, could have been played up more, and I would be even more into this book. Uh, see, uh, I'm, I'm whole... okay with the level of political intrigue that I got. Right. Um, I just I wish it had some kind of heart to it, because I feel like Mira's 
always been kind of the heart of the Aquaman books that she's appeared in. Like, that's why I have, like, the affinity towards this character that made me be like, hey, let me pick up Mira number one. Because she's not a character that I just <laughs> like on her own. Um, and there's not enough to this book to make me want to read more of it. There's There's no stakes to it. Like, there's no stakes to her, oh, like, if this was, the book, the book basically is, there's all this other stuff going on in these other books that you're not reading right now. I'm on yeah. bed rest. That's the book. And that's why I say. And then you, and and then you I, have Superman okay. and Wonder Woman being like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> and well, then be like, well, crack you... knuckles, let me explain. And, and then like, just be like, you need, you need. You need help? Like you, you okay? You got this? Do you need the Justice League's help? No, but she definitely does because she, like they're there to help her, like take away this like schlub tier villain, the eel that she like struggled against. And that's the thing, like if Mira, like if Mira's gonna have her own book, and when I saw this is written by Dan Abnett, I was like, oh, well, this is gonna be pretty good. This is gonna be a pretty good book. And then it's like, oh, it's a depowered uh, Mira book, but it's not like Mira really having to deal with being depowered. And there's, as you guys say, political intrigue, but it's not. It's like well, the poli- it's political exp- intrigue was all in like the two pages of her like sitting down with the Secretary of State. Yeah. Well, that and then her explaining everything that's going on for four pages with Superman yeah. and Wonder Woman. And her nurse in the back. Her nurse, her nurse has like weird dialogue that doesn't make sense in some of the panels. Oh, I feel like I need to go through and look at that again. Because no. I was, because at one point she's like, "No, they didn't," and I was just like, "Wait, wh- who's she talking to?" Uh, I I can see that. Like she's like, "Oh, guys, do you take sugar?" And like nobody responds to her. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. then like, okay, what if maybe, like. Tula or whatever her name is isn't actually there because nobody else like seems to be interacting with her like she's just kind of talking to herself because like at one point Wonder Woman says like I understand but the surface blah 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 and then mm-hmm. Tulip talks and then Tulip her neck the next bubble is yeah she knows that but it's like you just talked who are you saying knows that like it just seemed really bizarre with what she's saying. Yeah. Okay, so everybody agrees this would be better if it was more on the political intrigue. No, her licking if, her wounds. If, no, I'm, if, I'm okay with her licking her wounds. I mean, I just I feel like Mira's always been portrayed as a badass. Like, you know, flashback to when she had the Red Ring of Rage in the Blackest Light crossover, like. I was like, I don't know anything about this character because I didn't read Aquaman. I was like, holy shit, she's a badass. Like, I want to know more about this character now. And then I feel lucky enough to have gotten bits and pieces of her like through the Aquaman stuff that I've read since then. But I feel like this book has just like kind of neutered her in a way that like I don't, I don't want to read more. And I picked it up because I, I had originally wanted to. If it was a book where it's just a Mira book and she's powered and she's on a mission, that would be one thing. Yeah. If it's the she's wounded, her powers are weakened, and she's being hunted, and then you have those flashbacks about how 
she's been trained her whole life and how she's going to do how she's going to protect herself against these threats that would be another book but there's all it's a jumble of all of these things kind of thrown together that doesn't make a cohesive entertaining book yeah and I, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy this book, and I this is the one I was looking forward to the most. Yeah, I I was looking forward to it enough that I picked it for the list. I paid money for it to read this week, and I I feel a ton. I mean, it's not a bad looking book. I think Lamedina <clears throat> does a decent DC superhero book. Um, some of the faces, you know, are a little bit off in it, uh, especially like. Superman and Wonder Woman, and like the one panel, I don't remember what page this is. Um, it, it's not a bad looking book, but it just looks like your off the shelf DC book. There's nothing that's really selling it, especially because I think the last time we read Aquaman, the artwork in that was absolutely spectacular, and I feel bad because I don't remember who's doing it, but the artwork alone was just amazing. And the yeah, this feels like house style. Yeah, and the uh, Ocean Master um, side plot in this book, I didn't even realize it was the Ocean Master until the end. And it's like I, I've I've read Orm. Who else walks yeah, around with the name Orm? They don't call anyone else Orm, dude. They just said he was like an he was an Atlantean. They call him Orm he, like five times. I know. I didn't put two and two together because I didn't give a shit. Nor did I realize that that is the Ocean Master's real name. <laughs> I just well, that's on him. you. That's not on the book. No, no, no. That's not on the book. That was the more you. interesting part, was his part in this book. That was the book I wanted to read more of. Yeah. He's the only other Atlantean I know besides, like, Aquaman, Mira, Gar, and then it's Orm. Like, that's that's it. Like I, I, what was the I name just of the always called him Ocean Master. Out? I didn't realize it was him, and then when I saw at the end that it was, I was like, "Oh, I like that part of the book even more now that it." I know it's the prince slash king in exile as well. Uh, the my other hang up on this book, and this is kind of something that I had alluded to previously, is this book came out March two thousand eighteen, but it does very much read like a nineties book, just with all the the captions explaining everything that's happening. Like it reads like a book I would have picked up in the nineties. Like example, this isn't the life she wants stranded by injury on dry land far away from the man she loves. But this is the life that destiny has obliged Mary to lead. And now someone wants to end it. Yeah. Well, not only it's nineties. Well, not only that, sorry, Chris, they reference, they reference like, that happened in issue 30 of Aquaman. Yeah. They're on issue 36 now. That was it's six months six months ago is when this when number 30 happened. And if you're not doing the bag to board cast, nobody's just going picking up random Aquaman books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you're, like, you're reading oh, Aquaman because you read Aquaman. You're six months gone. Like, shouldn't Aquaman have defeated the villain now? It's been a trade's worth. Yeah. It, this book has its faults, but it's it's not my it's least still, favorite. I mean, Giles. It's definitely. still my second favorite book. That's okay. Like, I, I power rankings. I don't absolutely hate it, but I just I came out of it being like, 
this isn't what I expected or really wanted this book to be. And that's exactly how I felt about Giles, too. Yeah, Giles was the one I was most let down by because I, again, I went into that one with hopes. I went in with you know, preconceived notions of what a Buffy the Vampire Slayer book and who that character is should have been, and didn't get that. You know what I'm getting? Really good, strong coffee flavors. <laughs> a little bit of chocolate. A really good bourbon stout out of Weyerbacher's Sunday Morning Stout. One of my favorite beers of all time. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'll say it because it's just delicious. Like, as soon as I buy, I bought two uh, four-packs this year. I bought two four-packs last year. And uh, this is the last of my first four-pack from this year. It's easy to drink. It's not as smooth and as easy to drink as the uh, KBS is this year. Uh, I am taking this a little bit slower. It is hitting me a little bit harder. Maybe because I've drank two other barrel-aged beers. And I'm not splitting them like I normally do on the show. But this is delicious. It's full roasted coffee flavor. It has that nice bourbon-y aftertaste, but not overwhelming. And it's just it's just a good beer. Guys, Weyerbacher, Sunday morning stout. Go out and get it. Full mouthfeel. This is... Uh, Weyerbacher is called the KBS Killer. Because it's another coffee barrel-aged mm. stout. It used to be at least a percent to a percent higher than KBS. Um, the last three years, KBS has kind of really shot up that alcohol in the beer. But also... You want me to read off the labels? Because I have them both on here. <laughs> no. Where? Weyerbacher They're both the is 12.7. Weyerbacher is 12.7. And KBS is not listed? 12.5. Okay, is it? I don't see it yeah, on the I, I just checked into it my It says on the KBS. back. It's on the stamp with the date. Gotcha. Because when I checked into KBS, because I had forgotten to before, it said it was 11.8. 12.3% alcohol by volume on the KBS on the stamp. On the butt, I'm reading. Uh, bottle I'm reading also says 12.31. Maybe. Oh, it's 3.1? I thought that was a percent. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's a percent. It's. Yep, yep, yep. It is stamped it's on hard there, to tell. so it's hard to see, yeah. Uh, uh, bottled on March 6, 2018. Ooh, I got one. Uh, I got it bottled on 12.19, 2018. Really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but also. Here, where I was selling it at my store, seven dollars cheaper. Weyerbacher, fourteen ninety nine versus twenty ninety nine. Yeah, uh, this is. Great I value. I want to say I got my four pack of KBS for about twenty nine. I was I just bought it because I was happy to see it there, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know what, I will drink this and enjoy this. But yeah, I mean, if I could have saved seven bucks, I definitely would have. But. Uh, yeah, I, I mean the Weyerbacher is good. It's it's drinks good this year, Paul. If you want some more, I still have a bit uh, because it's one of those beers that I don't think people really know about, nor do they like Weyerbacher because I think most of the time the only thing that we have out from them is Blithering Idiot and their Merry Monks, uh, a barley wine and a triple, and I think both those beers are extremely good, and I think. Sunday morning is good. 
Sinsanity is really good. Um, but some of their other beers are are not. I mean, they have your average IPA, and they have your average this, and they have their average that. So people don't know about them, nor are they looking for Weyerbacher beers. And this is always like a hard sell for me to try to get people to understand. Like, oh, I don't have any KBS, but I have Sunday Morning Stout. You should drink this. This is just as good as a KBS. And it doesn't always come across. People aren't always interested in it. It's it's delicious. It's It doesn't have the chocolate notes, but it definitely delivers on the coffee. Uh, it isn't, for whatever reason, it isn't that event beer. You know, KBS is an event. It's released that one day. You got to go out and find it. If you miss it, you miss it. Yeah. Weyerbacher hasn't become an event yet, but it is, it's deserving to be. It isn't an event-worthy beer. Yes. So, uh, there we are. What are you drinking, Chris? Uh, I haven't heard your third beer yet. This is the beer I've been drinking for the past few days, because I picked up a 15-pack of the Founders All Day IPA uh, from the store, just as my fridge go-to beer. Because uh, you pretty much drink it whenever. It's just, it's so nice and light. Um, I've been drinking so much of it just be- because it's there that I really wanted something darker and heavier. So I kind of went in expecting to kind of find some sort of porter or stout today. Um, and I was definitely pleasantly surprised by finding the KBS and then the whiskey cherry stout. Uh, this is my just kind of round off the night beer. I don't need another big boy to kind of chase down the other two with. I mean, like we said, KBS was the 12.3. I didn't look at the whiskey uh, 9.3. So definitely another little bit heavy duty ABV beer. So ending up with a uh, nice 4.7 on the all day IPA. No, well, I'm going to be in good shape for the night. Uh,. I don't know what else to say about this beer that I haven't said before. This is just my go-to like day drinking IPA. Like it's just nice, crisp. It's got a nice hot profile to it. It's got a nice little bit of bitter to it, but it's not that hang around on your tongue like uh, dry you outness that you might get from some other stuff. I I just like this beer, and I got a fifteen pack out for like sixteen dollars. Like that's not bad. Uh, no. Um- Founders all day, 15 packs are the king. Uh, mm-hmm. in my in my business, in my job, I I sell beer and I have so many reps from other breweries come in. And the one of the first things, if they're thinking about releasing a 15 pack or if they have released a 15 pack, the first thing they ask about is all day. Do you think this can compare to all day? And I'm like, eh. No, sometimes, no, no. I mean, it's the king. Uh, in the last two years, the only thing that I've seen that can compare to it is uh, Southern Tears um, Overpacked, which is a 15-pack with five different beers in it. And it runs a spectrum of uh, a Session, a Tangerine Beer, a Pilsner, a, a 2X single hopped, single malt beer, and it's like, well, that that's the only thing that I've seen that has can rival that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a king for a reason. It's a great-tasting beer. 
It's a beer you can go to. It's a beer you can, yeah, put it in your fridge and just drink it whenever you need it. You go to a picnic. That's there. Boom. That's what you can drink. And the price point is on par. $17.99 here, $16 at where you are, Chris. How how can you go wrong for a 15-pack? It's it's not bad at all. I think at that price, it's probably cheaper than like a 15-pack of butter or anything else. Like you'd probably spend like 20 for that. I don't even know. Uh, a thirty pack of Bud Bud Light goes for nineteen ninety nine up here. Oh my God, really? Yeah, it's it's less than a dollar per bottle. Jeez. Uh, 1990... sorry, sorry for my statement, guys. I did not know. Nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Labatt just put out for nineteen ninety nine a uh twenty eight pack of Tall Boys, light. Wow. Regular and lime. I know what I'm stocking my fridge with because Kate loves the lime. Harley, she does. When we're at a Sabres game, that's the one. That tr- that's the tall boy that she always gets is the uh, Bud Light or the Blue Light lime. I think you'd be better uh, off spending five ninety nine on a six pack of Tall Boys because how often is she going to get around yeah. to drinking that? <laughs> that's true. Uh, I do have a twenty four pack of Labatt Blue Light down in my cellar just for when people come over. Uh, but I have to say, if I'm asked to help somebody move, I'm buying that 18-pack of all-day IPA, and I'm drinking it. Like, And I'll probably get through all 18. Yeah, you probably because, can, because you know, you know, you'll be moving around, so it's fine. It's fine. It just burns right off. Uh, uh, the- when I helped my sister-in-law move, I got through four of them. I don't know what they did with the other 14. I, I've gone to parties, and I've I've had like six of them. Because you're outside at a picnic or whatever, and it's oh, yeah. like, oh, I'll just have another one. They drink like water. They're nothing. They're they're like, what? Is it 4.8 4. Yeah. or 5.2? 4.7. I mean, 4. at least 7. the ones that I have here are uh, okay. 4.7. Uh, the only thing that I think this year might give it a run with me is the, the beer I reviewed last week, which was the Tropical Storm from Saranac. Uh, seventeen ninety nine for their fifteen pack, and it's a a grapefruit guava tropical IPA that is just great flavor, easy drinking, five point five percent, and uh, it's it's a it's a solid, it's a really easy drinking beer. It's the beer you want to drink when you finish mowing your yard, or you finished like digging the garden, or you finished doing that outside work. You're you're sweating bullets, and you're like, oh, I'm going to have a beer now. Boom, this tropical grapefruit up front, guava behind it. Um, but I still don't think that's going to compare to all day. I mean, all day's the king. Hell to the king. It, it, it's just a great beer. But, John, we have, take one a... book, we have one book left to talk about, and it's yours. And it is The Highest House. Written by Mike Carey. Uh, Art and lettering by Peter Gross. Obsidian's Bargain, part one. Uh, This book, uh, right off the bat, looks beautiful. I think the art in it is great. Uh, And this book is uh, in a small town. The, uh, what do they call him? The, uh... The Magistrate? The Magistrate. The Magistrate. Magister. 
Magister. The Magister. The Magister. Magister. That was it. Yeah, sorry. He comes to a small town to buy slaves, and people are bringing him, hey, this guy was caught doing this. Uh, this is my uh, sister's idiot son, but he does really good word- woodworking. Uh, this woman comes in and says, I have five children. These are two that I'm willing to sell, Moth and Jet. And the magistrate looks at him and goes, I'm not going to buy this girl. She's she's going to be blind in a couple years. And then he sees... She has curtains on her eyes. Curtains on her eyes. And then... I I like the imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then he sees Moth, and he asks him some questions and see that this boy might have the second sight or has something... There's something special about him. And uh, buys him for an extraordinary huge amount of money, and then brings him back to brings him back to the castle where he's the magistrate. Uh, on the way, there's an attack. You see the highest house, John, and the magister, the, the, titu- the titular life of the the titular highest house. Uh, but on the way, um, they're attacked by these uh, thieves. They're brigands. And uh, the magistrate is able to do some... Magister! He's able to do some sniper. Hocus pocus, he turns the one guy to dust. He uh, psychs out the other guy so he can cut his throat. And uh, everyone else runs away. And um, He's got pointy ears. He's creepy. He looks like the Mandarin. He does. Yep. Uh, and, uh, And then you have him get to the highest house to this castle where where it'll be his life and you see him get taken in by the roofer who's going to do that and the cook not too happy about that yeah <laughs> cookie not mad cookie, cookie too mad cookie cookie too mad <laughs> i couldn't think of a thing to say i'm sorry uh, i'm sorry i gotta write that down for episode title uh <laughs> Uh, and, um, and you see this person, you see this boy Moth being brought into this world and where he's going to be. And, um, it's, it's very interesting. And then in the last couple pages, he's asleep or the last page, he's asleep and he hears some voice talking to him saying that he's going to make him whatever his wish, whatever he wants, he'll make come true. And, uh, and then the book's over. And then it's over. That that's the thing that got yeah. me about this book is I kept reading it and then I'm like, okay, well this is like a preview for another book. Does the book continue after that? So like I flip through the pages and I'm like, oh no, okay, I guess it just ends with this kid waking up out of a sleep. Like I expected this book to be a little bit longer because I kept reading and being like, Okay, like I want to see more of this world. I want to see more of what moths being groomed for because he's definitely going to be something special um and then and they you, spend you, two pages descri- yeah. describing shingles well see that was the kind of thing that i i feel like i'm doing an injustice comparing this book to something like uh northlanders mm-hmm. but this made me feel like brian wood's northlanders where okay you have this kid he's being introduced to like what his trade is going to be and then you're getting this crazy amount of information it's not world building but it shows some level of like 
detail and knowledge has gone into this book. And I kind of expect that from Mike Carey's stuff now. Um, John or Paul, one of you had mentioned you think Mike Carey's a good like pitch man, but he doesn't deliver yeah. on his books. Th- this is one of those mm-hmm. books that it's written by Mike Carey. I always pick his books up in trade paperback because he always makes me want more. And I do want to see more of this. I, I'm looking forward to reading number two, whether it's in issue format or I, I pick up this trade because I want to see where this world is going to take me. Uh, what if issue two is just about him roofing the whole time? <laughs> it, but I, I don't th- it's not gonna be. I, I will say that. Is okay, it not Paul, gonna be? Paul, it, is it, it not? It, Paul, it's not going to be. But they found a way to make the roofing stuff really interesting. As weird as that is, but, to say like, uh, no, Paul, but this Paul. is the guy that found the political intrigue in the most <laughs> boring book. Like, Paul, this is my I, number two because of political intrigue. I read yeah. those three pages of this book where someone's going over the tools and the different uh-huh. types of shingles, and now like, oh well, this is what thatching is like. I read, th- I read all that. And I was still like, okay, like I'm intrigued because this book made me care. And it, I'm not a big fan of the artwork. I, I can't really get into it. But there's enough here on the base level that I, I want to see what Mike Carey does with this. Uh, and it's it's like one page. It's one page of like going over the tools and everything. And then there's like the next page is him like learning how to do it. But there's more conversation between him and now his mentor and it it works and then you get like the creepy chef like waiting in the winds just staring at the boy that he lost uh i think i thought the book was interesting i probably would be more inclined to buy it in trade than buy issue two i did like this book um but yeah, it's it leaves you wanting. There's definitely more going on with this boy. There's more going on with the magistrate and uh, magistrate. I know I did it just to mess <laughs> you with you. Yeah, that that happened again. And uh, I I I like I like this book a lot. I liked it the second most out of all of the books we read today. Uh, John, I think we have the same list then because this is my number two as well. And you know what? He might be a pitch man, but man, like for me, this is a a great chapter one. This is a good pitch. Like I, I want to see what happens next. And I mean, like at the end of this book, there's another, there's a couple page teaser of another book by Mike Carey on ID, but W and thumbing through that, I was like, Nope, not going to read it. I didn't even realize it was a Mike Carey book till just now when I was thumbing through the book and I came to the end and went, Oh, that was a Mike Carey book too. Mm. I'm not gonna read it. Which one was that? Sorry, Darkness Visible, written by Mike oh, Carey. Wait, that that one was Mike Carey too. Yeah, I I flipped past it as soon as I realized, like, whoa, okay, jarring difference in art. Okay, her whole body's a monster. <laughs> like, yeah. I I don't need. Oh, well, now that you said it's Mike Carey, I think I need to. Go back and read it? I, I think I'm going to go back and read it because this book, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger so much as it just ends abruptly with him waking up and then just sitting in yeah. his bed. And I feel like I wanted just a little bit more to kind of like 
put a, like a sting around it. Like, give me something to be like, oh man, I can't wait for for number two. It literally just like it stops, and then you get this uh, the dark is visible, and I'm like, okay, well, it's weird that they just put this like in the middle of the other book, and then I got to the end, and I was like, oh, it's not in the middle. It was at the end. Uh, power ranking uh, for me Vampironica Highest House New Mutants Mira and then Giles and even even Mira and Giles I I would be fine going the reverse of 4 and 5 like I didn't like either one of those books to be honest Uh, I, I would say Vampironica, Highest House. Number three, I'd probably go New Mutants just because I like those characters more than I like Mira. And I think there's a team dynamic there. But ultimately, I Mira and New Mutants could flip-flop. Like, I, I could read number two of either one of those books. Uh, but, yeah, Giles, not not great. I, I'm Vampironica. Then I'm going to go Mira, and then New Mutants. Then, ugh, it's it's a toss up between Giles and Highest House. No, I did not enjoy Highest House at all, no, nor did I enjoy Giles. That's okay, Paul. What if there was more political intrigue between the magistrate, <laughs> the magister, <laughs> and uh, someone else? Uh, it, as there was another faction or house that was competing and that this kid was actually the linchpin between it all because it seemed like the kid was the linchpin and it's like no you got sold off to the house to the roofer cool whatever i'm good he's there to be used by the magistrate magister well you know he, he's there to be used by by the magistrate but it's going magister. to it's going to be the roofer that teaches him his actual work though yeah, I I see that coming. Definitely, I know, I'm 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 definitely intrigued for for number two. I I think this is one of those books. It's IDW. I don't know what their trades are priced at. Like when they come out, I haven't bought an IDW trade like in forever or ever. I think if this is something that's under ten bucks for you know four or five issues, I I'd probably pick this one up. There's always going to be some type of sale where you're going to be able to pick up yeah. like. Uh, tri- volume one and two, buy one get one free. There's always some type of sale going on, and this is one I would keep my eyes out for. The one thing I do have to say about this book is, in paper form, it's an oversized edition book. Like it is wider pages, um, probably just as tall as a normal book. Because I was in a comic book store just recently. And I was looking around, and I saw issue two, and I was like, oh, shit, look at this, bro. It's an oversized edition book. Oh, my God, I'm Mark Wahlberg now. <laughs> I know, right? Who said How did you Ma? say it to? Uh, I said it to myself, and then my wife <laughs> as, said. As Mark Wahlberg. As, Mo, as Mark Wahlberg, and my wife said, huh, what'd you say? And I said, nothing, dear. And you I said, my, yo, Donnie, get over here and check this out. Say hello to your mother. Uh, 
we, I, we st- <laughs> I, I'm just kind of intrigued because we didn't really talk about it too much, but like Sauron, this didn't seem like something that requires like big, crazy, oversized or extended pages. And all. Like it's muddy, kind of indie comic art. Like I, I don't, I don't get that. Even uh, like I, Mike Carey's last book that I really got into with the unwritten, I, I was like, okay, yes, like. The artwork in that was phenomenal, and this, it didn't seem like his usual, like, kind of go-to artist. It has, like, the big, bright, inventive uh, style. Yeah. I think it, it, it fits, the artwork fits the tone of the book, and I think it delivers what Mike Carey was going after with this book. Uh, but I almost I, bought... I think it fits, it fits it now, because it's just this kid being like picked up at an inn on the road after like the magistrate tells him like, Hey, hold this rock. What's it feel like? Magister. Oh, I was waiting for Paul. He's not going to do it again. I don't even think he's still there. Is he there? Paul? I'm still here. For for us, that became one of those things like the super Bowl, where we just say it. So Paul goes like super bowl, super bowl. (laughs) Yep. But honestly, like it, it was basically the same. Okay, I just I did a quick bit of Google, and Peter Gross was actually the uh, artist on the Unwritten too. So okay, maybe maybe he's capable mo- of more than I'm giving credit for, and he just needs that chance to like spread his figurative wings. And we want you to spread your figurative wings and go over and write and review us wherever you listen to us. It helps other people find this podcast. Find us over on Facebook. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you read these books or if you disagree or agree with us, let us know over there. And uh, overall, thank you for listening. Facebook, Instagram. All those social medias. They're all there. They exist, and we're they on some things. of them. And we're on them, but we don't actually you know, engage. We, we would engage if they engaged. Yeah. Right? We, we, we have with uh, previous people that are listeners. <laughs> previous people that are listeners. No longer people. Now they're frighteners. Ah! Are we all? I have to click over, but I will stop there.